your preacher and upon all of those, all of us who hear. May your word resonate in us. May it uh, gain ground and may we uh, live it consistently. May you be glorified, your people blessed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Paul says again in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, that means he's speaking to the church family. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The first summer in 2019, I want to preach the first part of a, of, of a sermon series entitled Words to Our Team in 2019, Dress for Success. Words to our team, our local church family, uh, to the church universal, the church around the world, Christians everywhere. These are words to our team. We are a team in 2019. Dress for success. That's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about dressing for success. Some of you are familiar with Eugene H. Peterson's work entitled The Message. Some of you uh, have read that, perhaps have copies in which uh, Peterson translates uh, the Bible into contemporary language. And if you don't have one, I encourage you to get one and put it right alongside your King James Version or uh, your NIV the version, whatever version you use, New King James Version. Um, it, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful work that Peterson has done, has done. And I've chosen to uh, use Peterson's translation of Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20 as my introduction this morning. I read it. I said, man, this will make a great introduction, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with, with you. Listen now as Paul conveys heartfelt words to, of a very cr crucial message to his beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. From the text, Paul says, this about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best material, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. Now, I thought about that. We're in the military. Some of y'all were in the military, and they issued us all kinds of, all kinds of tools and for, for battle and clothing. We had, we had battle gear, and, you know, we had our helmets. And if we were going into a place where they expected chemical, a chemical threat, we had the chemical ensemble. You, you remember that? That was that chemical suit you you put it on. But that's what that's what Paul is conveying in the text that God has has made weapons available to us of the best material. And that's what we had in the military. We had the very best material that money could buy. 
Paul says, and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. Paul goes on to say, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. Y'all remember, boys, we played marbles. And we played marbles, you know, we say, now, we playing for keeps. If we get your marbles, you, you're not getting them back. We're playing for keeps. Well, what, 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 what Paul is conveying in, in Peter's translation is that the devil, y'all, plays for keeps. Don't fool yourself. He, play, he plays for, for keeps. And so uh, he goes on to say, this is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish. The devil against the devil and his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. And I've learned that. And some of y'all, you know, you know that when you when you pastoring. I don't care how much education you got, I don't care how good you look, how good you dress, and, and how well you speak. You we are we're up against more then we can handle. If you're teaching, if you even if you're a Christian on your job, if you're out there in the workplace, you, you're up against more than you can handle. I don't care what your title is, how skilled you are. You're up more against more you can handle. So, so, so Paul says, uh, take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be a, you'll still be up on your feet. I heard Pastor Harris praying your prayer. He said, we're still here. So that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be up on your feet. There are a lot of people who started out on this journey who are not up on their feet today. They're not up on their feet. A lot of them spiritually, they're not up on their feet feet. Physically, they're not even up on their feet mentally. He says, then he goes on to say, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. They're more than words. Learn how to apply them. You will need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. The same way prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. This is warfare, y'all. People drop out. People fall behind. There's some people who perhaps was seated next to you last year are not here this year. They've, they've just dropped out. A lot of things happen along the way that cause people just to, to drop out, just to give up. Sometimes things are said to people. This caused them to drop out. You look around and you say, well, where are they? Sometimes things are done to people. It causes them to just drop out, to give up, to become discouraged. Well, well that's what this is about. He says, Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. 
then Paul, this very wise leader, said, and don't forget to pray for me. I thank pastoral staff so much. Every one of them, every prayer, they always pray for Pastor Pickett. I'm so honored because I came to this church almost 20 years ago. Deacon Warren Cunningham sitting in the back told me then, he said, Pastor, he said, I pray for you and Sister Pickett every day. Every day. And so we go through the line, sometimes communion line. I give the word to the, to the, to the, uh, to the deacons that God has given me to speak to them. And sometimes I just say to him, thank you for your prayer. I know you're praying for me. I feel your prayers. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing if people were not praying for me. In fact, I would have been gone a long time ago if people were not praying for me. He says, so Paul says, he said, don't forget to pray for me. You know why you praying? You know, don't pass me by. Don't forget to pray for me. I might look strong, but you pray for me. I might be in a battle, but you pray for me. I might be smiling, but you pray for me. I might look like I'm on top and climbing, but you pray for me. I might look like and act like I'm ex- outstanding and improve it, but you pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say. Paul said, now listen, this Paul phenomenally. He said, pray that I will know what to say and have the courage to say it. Sometimes we know what to say. We cower down and don't have the courage to say it. Paul said, pray that I know what to say and have the courage to say it. He said, say it at the right time. Timing is time. Paul said, timing is important. Say it at the right time. He said, telling the mystery, one and all, of the message that I, listen at this, Paul said, the message that I, according to Peterson's translation, jailbird preacher, that I am, and responsible for getting, for getting out. Paul said in verse 20 in the King James, New King James, he said, for which I am an, an ambassador in chains. Peterson says, a, a jailbird preacher, same thing. So the message to the church at Ephesus has been the same message throughout the ages. It's the same message today. It's the same message for the 21st century church. It's the same message for us at Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. It's a great message for 2019. It's a great message to start this year out on. And the message is this, that we are at war. We, we are at war. That's the message. The message that we are at war. Every blood bought, fire baptized, Holy Ghost filled, born again believer in Jesus Christ is at war every day. We are at war against the enemy of God, against the enemy of Jesus Christ, against the enemy of the Holy Spirit, and against the enemy of the church. How many of you that the church has an enemy? Don't fool yourself. We're at war. We're, we're, we're battling. We're doing battle. We're doing battle against the enemy of God, Jesus Christ, the enemy of Jesus, the enemy of the Holy Spirit, and even against the enemy of the church. And if you don't believe it, talk to some of your family and friends and people that you know churches are going through it. Torn asunder at war. We are at war against the enemy of truth, 
the enemy of justice, the enemy of fairness, the enemy of common decency, and the enemy of everything that's right. We're at war with the enemy. We're at war against Satan, the devil, the father of lies, the enemy of our souls. And to those who have been hoodwinked, have been duped, have been fooled into thinking that they can tip toe through the tulips of Christianity, the Christian life, and the Christian journey, take heed lest you find yourselves a casualty of war. Like any good soldier, we must be prepared for battle by dressing for success. Now, I took that stuff seriously, y'all. I mean, I mean, Sir Stevens, Pastor Joe, y'all, when y'all went through that gas chamber, you better put that, you better put that, you better make sure you got that gas mask on and you got a good seal. You better take that stuff seriously because when they put you in there and they close that door and they ignite that gas and that, that chamber gets smoky and then they used to take your, lift your mask up and, and give your, your name, your rank, and your serial number and you do it and you run outside and everybody, most people get sick. Get sick, y'all. So when I went in that thing, man, and then we went someplace, they said, man, chemical, I took that stuff sick. But that's what Paul is saying to the church. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. We must be prepared for the dress. Uh, we must be, must be prepared for battle by dressing for success. So how do we do it? How do we dress for success? What do we need to dress for success? Paul lays it out. Beginning in verse 14, Paul says, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Paul says the first step in dressing for success is putting on the belt of truth. It all, it all begins, y'all, with truth. If folks are not truthful, if they're not in truth, you, you know, you, you, you're not even in the game. Yeah, but he said it starts with putting on that putting on that belt a truth the belt was used to hold the roman soldiers clothing close to his body they kept the clothing fitted and and firm and it allowed that soldier the freedom to uh, freedom of movement the belt was also used to strengthen and support the body much like a weightlifter uses a belt to strengthen his or her body y'all seen folks in the gym having it you know, they walking around, chest stuck out, got this belt on them, you know. Yeah, but, that, but what they're trying to do is they're trying to strengthen them, you know, their, their midsection, and they're trying to, they're trying to uh, give themselves, uh, trying to build themselves up. Well, when Paul, in the spiritual sense, when Paul speaks of the belt of truth, he is identifying first, he's identifying Jesus as truth. Now, a guy by the name of Henry Blackaby wrote a study called Experiencing God some years ago where he said that truth is not a concept, a mere concept, or a principle. Truth is a person. I've never forgotten that. So, so Paul is identifying, in a uh, spiritual sense, when Paul speaks of the belt of truth, he's first identifying Jesus Christ as truth. Paul says that the believer, are you listening to me? That the believer is to put on Christ 
That is, that is have intentional fellowship. How do you put on Christ? How do you put on Christ? Have intentional fellowship, have intentional communion, have intentional um, interaction with Jesus Christ every day. Every day. That's, that's what Paul is saying. Put on true. Have that intentional fellowship. Now, well, while I was back at C.A. Johnson High School, where I graduated in 1974, back at C.A. Johnson High School, um, the student, we had a game day fight song. I don't know if students still have pep rallies today. I, I wonder if, you know, we, but you know, every, every Friday before the game, we had a pep rally, you know. And, and they would dismiss the sixth period class during football season. And all of us would go to the gym. And it was a high-spirited, it was a high-spirited time. And, and, and we sang a lot of songs, but one of the songs I remember, I remember clearly, and we, boy, we sang this, I mean, the gym was rocking. We, we would say, I woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on the harness. Now, that was our mascot, C.A. Johnson, Green Harness. And, and the man, this man, Jewish man in, in our community had a store just a quarter, about a half block from the school, and he had a harness on the, painted on Green Harness that had on boxing gloves. That was the cutest little thing. But we would say, I woke up this morning, and, and sometimes on the way to the game on the bus, the players, the football players, you know, they had the winners down. They would be beat on the side of the bus. They'd be singing, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on the harness. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Y'all remember, did y'all have pep rallies? Well, <laughs> I submit to you today. As Christians, we should get up every morning with our mind stayed on Jesus. Every morning, we ought to wake up with our mind stayed on Jesus. That is, focused on Jesus. That's how you, I'm talking about putting on truth. Focus on Jesus, not on the internet, not the first thing, not on the local, national, and international news, not, not the first thing, but first and foremost, we put on truth by getting up with our mind stayed on, focused on Jesus. Second, the word of, of God is true. First, Paul points out that, that Jesus is true. Then second, the word of God is true. Listen, as believers, we are to put on the word of God daily. That is, every day without exception, we should make reading and meditating on scripture a priority. Every day. I don't mean you ain't got to read an hour every day, but it means it wouldn't hurt, but at least read that word and meditate on that word and when you think about y'all the hours that we spend on the internet and the hours we spend watching television versus the hours that we spend reading and meditating on his word no wonder so many people are spiritually anemic so here's a challenging question you know which way is your scale tipping I'm, I'm just I got to answer that for myself. I can't answer that for nobody else. That's not my job. To, I'm, not, I'm not anybody judge. Anybody judge. But the only thing I'm saying is for Linnell Pickett, I need to make sure that my scale is tipping in the right direction. You know what? Y'all will know when it is. 
Y'all can know when, when, when it is. You, you'll hear it in the preaching. You, you, you'll hear it in the teaching. You'll see it in the living and the decisions. And the same thing with you. Same thing with you. So we ought to make meditating on the scripture priority. Why? Because when we live like we do, when we live in a filthy, fickle, fallen world where we need to be set apart for God's service, and wash by the water of the word daily, we need to be in that word. That word washes us. John 17 and 17 says, thy word is truth. Ephesians 5, 26 tells us that we are sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the water, by the word. His word washes us. How many times have we had an unclean thought, read that word, and he washed that thought right out of our mind? How many times when we had planned to do an unclean, ungodly behavior and the word spoke to us and washed that movement right out of our mind? So now every morning, y'all, every morning, we ought to put on truth. Every morning, we ought to take a word bath before going out to face the day. We ought to take a word bath. You see, we live in a world where lies and liars and deceivers have become the order of the day. There was a time when I was growing up and folk would say, you know, look, look, look a person in their eye and, 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 and if, they don't, if they look away, you, you know they're lying, that, that don't go today. Folk will look you right in your eyes and tell you a lie in a heartbeat. Walk away, feel no guilt about it at all. That's the kind of world we live in. So, so, so here it is, y'all. Here it is. Here it is a challenge for us. Even when it hurts, even when it's unpopular, even when it goes against the grain of fashionable, trendy, opinions and even when it goes even against family views and values that are out of line with Christ we need to speak the truth amen you know you know I mean truth y'all excuse the expression I'm gonna say it truth trumps everything yeah Truth, see, what does truth do for us? Well, a lot of things. Truth grounds us. And truth keeps us from wandering around and drifting about from one thing to another. Once we are grounded in the truth of God's word, we will not religion hop. Folks say, man, well, you know, I done been a Muslim. You know, I done been, you know, Hindu. I done been all these different things. And still serve. We will not religion hop. We will not church hop. We will we will not group hop, or we will not opinion hop. In other words, we won't be changing our opinion, you know, with the blowing of the wind. Once we know the truth, Amen. Yeah. see, rather, when we are grounded in truth, that is certainty, accuracy, precision, and the legitimacy of Jesus, we will be as solid as a rock. Paul said in Ephesians 4.14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful 
plotted. Paul proclaims that mature followers of Jesus ought to be casting their lot, a pitching their, ought not rather to be casting their lot, a pitching their tent with every person, every movement, every ideology, every philosophy, or every religion that blows in the town. We ought not be casting our lots with everybody on television and everybody on the radio and everybody on the internet. Paul announces that the mature people of God who are grounded in truth will not be pulled away or drawn away from the mission, the methods, and the mandate of Jesus Christ. Not when you're grounded. Not, not when you're grounded. I ain't talking about just going to church. I'm talking about being grounded. I'm not talking about just showing up. I'm talking about when you're grounded, you will not be pulled away from the mission, the methods, and the mandates of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ. Those who stand confidently on the truth of their relationship with Jesus Christ and the truth of his word, the Bible will not be moved, will not be manipulated, and will not even be mesmerized by smooth-talking con men and women using sophisticated methods, means, and marketing to mislead naive, undisciplined, and unsuspected Christians to follow the wrong road. Not when you're grounded. That's why it's so important to get grounded in that word, no truth for yourself, because our world now more than ever is filled with slick talkers, move talk, uh, smooth talkers. They know every, you know, game in, in the book. And there are some folks out there, y'all, that can talk you into just about anything and will talk you out of just about anything. Talk you right out of the church if you let them. That's what Jim Jones did out in California. He talked people right out of churches. Because they were not grounded. Now here's the reality. As the belt formed the foundation of the soldier's armor, biblical truth is the foundation of a life in Christ. Therefore, when we stand in truth, on truth, with truth, and for truth, the enemy of our souls, the devil, Satan, the father of lies, attacks us with deception, distortion, defamation, but he will not be able to defeat us. When we stand for truth, we will be able, as the songwriter said, to hold our peace and watch the Lord fight your violence. I think it was King who said, truth, press down, we'll rise again. Uh, can I put it this way? Truth on Friday was pressed down. Truth on Friday was crucified. But early Sunday morning, truth got up. That's because you cannot hold truth down. That truth going to stand, y'all. It's going to stand. And not only stand, it's going to come out one way or another. It's going to come out. So just stand for truth. Stand on it. I love that. I love standing on the truth. I love folk. You know, one time I was, I was, I was, I, I was uh, being considered for a church. It wasn't considered a, a good hope. In fact, I uh, withdrew from consideration. It was years ago before I came to Good Hope, and uh, and so my wife and I went went out. I think my wife was with me, and and the man said to me, uh, "No, it's a lady that said to me, it's church.' I didn't she said, well, you know, we we checked you out.'" Remember 
that sister pig said, we checked you out. She said, we ran a background check on you, a criminal background check, a finance background check. She said, and you came out squeaky clean. That's what you want. You want to stand for truth so that no matter who's investigating, no matter who's, who's instigating, truth will stand and you'll come out squeaky clean. And listen, even when you speak truth and folk don't go with it, they go their own way. That's all right when the stuff blow up. I read, I read, I read this, y'all, years ago. You know, I read this year. My homeboy, Charles Bolden, I, I don't want to say it like, I mean, I don't mean no disrespect because we grew up eight houses apart in Columbia, South Carolina. President Obama uh, placed him as the head of NASA. Head of NASA. And so, and so, and so, um, I just want you to know that when you stand for, for truth, when you stand for truth, everything will work out. So, so before he got to NASA, there was an engineer. There was an engineer. And he said, he said to everybody, he said, that, that thing ain't ready to go. He said it ain't ready to go. But, but because they were pushing it and because they were in, in race with, 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 with the Russians and others and because, and because a lot of money was involved and, and because a lot of people were involved, a lot of power was involved, a lot of politics was involved, everybody just ran rough shot over him. But he stood on truth. He said it ain't ready. And I can assure you when that thing blew up and everybody saw it, although he was sorry, he could sleep at night. That's where I want to be. You want to be that way? Yes, when that stuff blow up, yes, I'll be sorry, but I'll be able to sleep at night. Yes, yes, you ought to be able to sleep at night. You ought to be able to tell the truth. Yes, but secondly today, and I'm just going to deal with my own piece today. I'm going to do this in a series. We won't get to all of the day. But the next piece of armor Paul says we need to put on in order to stand against the wiles of the devil is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was made of metal plates or chains, and it covered the soldier's body from the neck to the thighs, and, and it was used to protect the soldier's heart. The breastplate of righteousness, spiritually speaking, symbolizes the believer's righteousness in Christ. Now, as believers in Jesus, our righteousness has two dimensions. Don't miss this. First, there is positional righteousness positional righteousness is the righteousness we have by virtue of our relationship with Jesus that's positional right you got that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you have positional righteousness listen when he died on the cross when he took upon himself the sins of all who trust in him as Savior he was giving out positional righteousness Therefore, his righteousness is imputed or transferred to our account. Is that making sense? All right, so now you got positional right. That's the righteousness you have by virtue of your relationship with Jesus. But secondly, there is practical righteousness. Practical righteousness is personal holiness. Holiness, we are obligated to live out on the playing field of life every day. So Paul is saying, in order to stand against the wiles of the devil, you got to live holy. 
He said, don't play games with that. Don't, 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 don't play games with that. You know, people, you, you know, you might be able to fool some of the people some of the time and e even most of the people most of the time, but you'll never be able to fool God. So he said, don't, 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 don't play with that. Don't, don't, don't fake it trying to make it. Don't, don't act one way and really be something else. You see, you see the life we live at home, and that, that, that touches my heart. Because, you know, because that's one, one reason years ago, years ago, you know, my wife and I would watch TV and, and then we, we got to thinking, well, wait a minute, some of the stuff we watching, it ain't really that bad, but, you know, we, we don't want the children to see it, so we would send them to the room. Yeah. And so then my wife and I made a decision together that if, if they can't watch it, we're not going to send them to the room. Because, you know, they're probably in the room now, you know, thinking about, but what, what mom, what's mom and daddy watching that I'm not able to see? You know, that's teaching about do as I, I say do, not as you see me do. But you see, the life we live at home, husbands, the life we live at home, the wife knows it. Amen. You don't need trying to play no games, you know. You don't need me coming here dressing up in church and coming up here preaching, you know, and I done treated my wife bad all week long and, you know, have not been a, a good, faithful husband. I, I mean, we don't always agree, but I, I'm still responsible to be the priest. You know, and the protector and the provider of my wife. That, that, that's personal holiness every day that, at, at the workplace. The life we live at the workplace. How we act at work. How, how do we act at school? How we even act, you know, how to act in the neighborhood. It's, it's very important. I was talking to my wife yesterday. I got a very close, good, good neighbor you know, by the name of, of, of Jack, and I give growing honor to God, but 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 finance committee came to me and say, say, say Pastor said, uh, you your neighbor is tied into the church. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. But 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 I try to live in my neighborhood in a way that people will see Jesus. And so Jack said to me one day, he said, he said, Lanell, I need some. More, some more envelopes, some tithes, I took him some envelopes. And see, Jack would be at church. Jack would be at church. And by the way, but you know, Jack is Anglo, all right? So this thing crosses racial boundaries as well. So, so, so Jack would be at the church, but, but his wife now is on hospice care, and she, and she has Alzheimer's, right? So he can't come to church, but, but he feels compelled to tithe to good hope because he believes in the mission. He believes in the mandate, the message. He believes in the personal holiness. And so, and so, so we, we, the life we live at home, at work, at school, at church, Wherever we are, the life we live, watch this, y'all, will either fortify, that means strengthen us against Satan's attacks, or it will make, a, make it easier for him defeat, to defeat us. There's no two ways about it. Let me say that again so we'll get that. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. The life we live at home, the life that we live at the workplace, the life we live in school, church, and, and let me tell you something else, too. That private life. The same thing. I said to the, I said to uh, uh, our our committee, uh, our finance committee, some of the leaders in our church. I said, listen, you know, the church bought this laptop computer. Y'all are welcome to go on it anytime. 
Anybody, in le- if you want my password, you can have. I wouldn't have, even in my house, my phone, I don't have no password that my wife don't know. I leave my phone laying around, and, and, and she has the password, and I don't have a computer. I don't have no internet that my wife doesn't have. She got the password. In fact, y'all, we share the same internet. Same internet. Because private, private holiness is important. I was staggered just some years ago when a number of us went to a meeting and Pastor Jay Dennis out there at First Baptist Church at the mall was telling us of the number of, of, of pastors that were engaged in internet pornography. And not only that, he shocked us when he gave us the statistics of women. He said men first in the church, y'all. I ain't talking about folks out there in the club. I'm talking about in the church that is involved in watching internet pornography. And not only that, the number of women was growing. And he had the stats to back it up. In fact, he had a ministry out of the church geared, y'all, geared towards helping men break the addiction of internet pornography had the ministry in the church and men from the church and around the church were going and all I'm saying y'all is that private holiness how we live in private is important the song said uh, God is watching us and I heard one preacher not long ago he, I love it he said that song said God is watching us from a distance God is watching us up close. He's right there. He, 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 you know, he's in the bedroom. He's in the office. He's in the bathroom. He's in the car. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, God is watching. And you know something else? You got an enemy that's watching too. And, and see, and see, and see, and see the, the life we live, whether a, a, a personal, private, at school, home, church, the life we live will either fortify us against Satan's attacks or it will make it easier, y'all, for him to defeat us. How many of y'all know when we were not living right, doing what we were supposed to do, we were getting attacked? Now understand, because of positional righteousness, the righteousness we have through placing our faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, Satan can't defeat our salvation. We're not talking about that. But if we fail in the area of practical righteousness, that is, if we fail to live holy, if we refuse to live righteous, if we resist living in a way that pleases God, don't miss this, Satan, the devil, the father of lies, will whip us ragged. And some folk will be.